Hey everybody, I've got a question before we get started. And just feel free to put this in the comment section down below or send us a private message. And that question is, what would you do if you knew you could get away with it? Okay, no, seriously, don't put it, please don't put that in the comments. I don't think I even wanna know um, the answer to that question. Um, and if you're, with, uh, if you're with your spouse or your loved ones, uh, please don't elbow them right now if they answered out loud or blurted out loud. Um, but today, I wanna talk about how everyone has a past, right? Everybody has something they feel guilty about. But I wanna say right from the beginning, our past should remind us of what happened. It reminds us of our story, but our past does not define us. Our past should remind us, but it does not define us. So we don't wanna know what's the one thing you would do if you knew you could get away with it. Uh, when the filters are gone, uh, we could probably guess some of that stuff. Uh, we don't wanna know, because that, that, the answer to that question, it exposes a lot of the stuff in our hearts, a lot of the stuff we know better. That okay, yeah, I monitor my behavior. We, uh, we, we all monitor our behavior to some degree. But as I'm reading through the scriptures and, and thinking through how not to let my negative emotions, how I can model that within and live that with you, I think, wow, I have heard so little teaching on how to monitor what's going on on the inside. I've heard a lot of teaching on how to monitor what goes on on the outside. And in fact, now we live in a culture, just a broad, the, the majority of our culture teaches us to follow our hearts no matter what's in there. And I, as I was thinking of it, I was thinking of this high octane mixture right here. Um, this is not only M&Ms, this is peanut M&Ms, and it's mixed with chocolate covered espresso beans. So if, if you're running a little bit low, take a swig of this. But I, I got the image of this. Like when we're monitoring our behavior and only monitoring our behavior, uh, it's like trying to shake this glass and make something different come out of it. Because no matter how hard you shake this thing, whatever's inside is gonna come out. If you pour this out and dump it out, what's inside comes out, no matter what angle you dump it out. And as we, go, as we go through life, life shakes us. Life squeezes us. Sometimes life tips us over. And whatever's inside of our hearts, that's what's going to come out. No matter how much we try to monitor our behaviors and behave like well-behaved boys and girls, if there's bad stuff, toxic thoughts, anger, greed, envy, those things are going to come out. I want to invite you uh, to, to look at the scriptures and, and look at these, these principles laid out by King Solomon. Some people say he's one of the wisest person, or the wisest person to ever live. And in Proverbs 4.23, he says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So, just to take it back in your own story, what your parents carried in their hearts eventually spilled out on you and eventually spilled out on all the people in their lives. Uh, what, what has spilled out on you and what you've allowed to stay in your heart is, is, is cultivating and growing and that's what spills out on the people around you when the going gets tough, 
That's what spills out around you when your life is shaken. And as we examine our stories, there's been times when we've been squeezed and bad stuff poured out onto the the people in our lives. And a big thing that happens is we feel guilty about it. It's one of the biggest things we need to deal with is guilt. Is guilt the boss of you today? Guilt. This is uh, the emotion that acknowledges when we've done something wrong. Now, I'm not talking about false guilt. Like, this is real guilt. Like, you did it, uh, and, and you rehearse it, and, and you feel bad about it. So there's, there's a false guilt. That's, that's for another, uh, another time. There's this real guilt, and then there's a guilt that we don't feel. Maybe there's something that we're so terrified of in our past that we don't deal with it, and we just stuff it. Nothing to see here. Keep moving along. And when we do feel this guilt that we've buried down, we retreat to a, a story that protects us. We can say, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't just me that was doing it. Or, or I was only 20. I was just a freshman in college. It was crazy. We say things like, oh, it was my first job. When we tell our stories about things we feel guilty about, it, it's, a, it's an attempt to distance ourselves from guilt. But denying it or being defined by guilt always empowers it. Guilt creates a debt or debtor relationship. So when we wrong someone, it's like we've taken something from them and then we owe them. These are common phrases in our English language. I owe her an apology. I don't know how I can make it up to them. But here's the trick. We don't experience guilt as debt We experience guilt as a weight, and it throws us off balance. When we're guilty, parents, can I get a good amen? When we're guilty, it throws us off balance as a parent. We can become too aggressive. I'm so guilty about what I've done. I don't want my kid to make the same mistake. Or we can become too timid. Oh, when I was a kid, my old man was just so hard on me. I'm going to let the kid be a kid no matter what. You see the the balance there? It throws off our ability to love and forgive when we walk around with this weight of guilt in our hearts and on our shoulders. It totally affects. It it undoes so much of our ability to love and forgive. But think about this. When we finally resolve an issue that we felt guilty about, Have you ever thought this? Have you ever said this out loud? I feel like a weight has been lifted off of me. I remember one time uh, in church and and making things right with somebody that that I had wronged when I was a teenager and a pastor was there. And uh, it was this beautiful moment of reconciliation and the pastor said, "It, it just felt like there was a cork on your heart, Mike. And when you started talking, it was it was taken out of the bottle. And this bad stuff was poured out. And that's what it felt like. The, the weight had been lifted off of me. If we don't resolve it, if we don't resolve it, guilt evolves into something sinister. And it can grow into anger. And the problem with anger is that it leaks out of your heart. There's, yeah, you, could, you could try to stop it, but you can't contain it. If you're an angry person, it just leaks out. Even when you don't mean to. Well, whoops, sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. 
Like, and here's the part, uh, the difficult part of this, this dynamic is that guilty people very rarely make the connection between guilt and their anger. Their failures disappear into the recesses of their hearts while everyone else's failures are plain to see. <laughs> they would just get their act together. This is wrong, that's wrong. A lot of that stems from guilt. So the biggest reason I think that we don't face our guilt is because it leaves us standing condemned. Because there's no way to undo the past. You can't go back in time. You can't unsay the, the hurtful thing that you said. You can't unleave the family that you left behind. You can't go back in time and be faithful in your job or in your marriage. You can't go back in time and undrink too much. You can't return a ch someone's childhood or a first marriage. When we don't deal with our guilt, we try to move on, but we can't. The past was designed to be left behind. But if you don't resolve it, it just travels with you. Now, I'm not trying to bum you out today. I do have good news. The good news is that you don't have to be defined by your past and you don't have to deny your past. It's still a part of your story, but it doesn't define who you are. There's a third option that Jesus offered. And I think the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he put it best. Now, uh, especially if you didn't grow up in church, I want you to hear, I want you to, to think of this personally about who's writing this. This is a man who's writing down words about regret and guilt, and he had a reason to be more regretful, more ashamed than anyone else on this live stream or YouTube video, all of us combined. So this, this idea of guilt and shame for the Apostle Paul, it wasn't a theory to him. His life experiences left him so ashamed and guilty. He persecuted innocent people for their beliefs in the name of God. He got it wrong. He, he, he imprisoned them. He oversaw their torture. He oversaw the execution in, in part of his story uh, of, of innocent God, Jesus-following people. And the amazing thing about Paul's story is that he didn't deny his guilt. He didn't explain it away. He actually documented it. He wrote it down. This is what I did. So uh, he's writing this letter uh, to, to Christians living in Nero's Rome. And one of this verse used to confuse me. I used to look up Romans 8.1 to decide if a, a Bible translation was readable. But, but, and Paul writes in a complicated way sometimes because he was super wicked smart. But stick with me. In Romans 8.1, this guy who had a reason to be guilty says this, therefore, there is now no condemnation. That's the first part of the verse. He's saying there is a space in this world and in your life where the past isn't forgotten or condemning. You can still remember it, without being condemned. It can be faced even though it can't be erased. There's a place of, of following Jesus where you don't have to pretend anymore like that's not part of your story. You don't have to be ashamed of it. And uh, you can do that without feeling the terrifying emotions 
of condemnation. And he continues, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when, when you've come to the end of yourself and say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you, 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 you are come clean about your story. I don't deserve grace, but because of what you've done, Jesus, now I can enjoy a whole relationship with, with God, unhindered uh, union with God. And we, in that moment, you stand uncondemned by God. And that's the moment where you regain your balance, standing in that third place. I'm honest about what I've done, but I'm not, God doesn't condemn me for it because I'm in Christ Jesus. That's where we get our balance because, in verse 2 it says, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You are set free. Whether you feel it or not in this moment, that's the reality. That's the anchor that you hold on to because of what Jesus has done. Not not how you've avoided being a naughty little boy or naughty little girl. The reality is when you surrender to Jesus, you are set free. And that law of sin and death, what Paul is saying there, that's the law of sin and death means people are stuck. They're doomed to repeat the same cycle of whatever it is, addiction, dysfunction, um, anger, jealousy, uh, all the law of sin and death just means, oh, I'm doing a little bit better. Oh, I'm tempted to sin. Oh, I messed up again. Oh, I'm the worst person ever. So I'm going to try really hard. It's this endless loop that Paul calls the, the, the law of sin and death. Because of what Jesus has done, you are free from that. That's the reality. And Romans 8, 8, 3 talks about your personal rules, uh, how you behaved, whether you've been trying to follow this or you're following uh, some other ethic out there. Human beings, we mess up. We, we're not perfect. So we do things wrong on purpose. Sometimes we do things wrong on accident. And some things, we don't do the right thing that we know we should have done. And the only things laws can do is set the lowest standard. Because of Jesus, we have something better. Now, the law can just be the lowest common denominator. And when you break God's laws, when you break a law, the law itself can't restore you. It just makes makes it clear that you are condemned. You broke the law, but it can't heal you. All the law can do is remind you that you've messed up. And Paul discovered that Jesus came to give us a new kind of relationship with God. And how did he do it? Well, God did it. In verse 3, For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. So there's some complicated language in there, I know. But likeness in sinful flesh means that that Jesus left the comfort of safety in heaven and came to earth as a human to be that sin offering, to to take our place as the condemned one. That sin offering goes back to all the way to the book of Leviticus. And you guys, I'm just warning you now. I'm studying Leviticus, and I have been for a couple uh, couple months now, almost a year. 
And I can't wait, we're gonna go through Leviticus together and it's going to be awesome. But some of that stuff's going on here. And what I'm trying to say is that Jesus is the one. When you surrender and you're in the spot of being in guilt and condemnation, Jesus says, move over. Move over into that third place. That's true of you. You're in this new space and I'm taking the place of being condemned for you. And I'm the one that can restore you. We don't deserve it, but Jesus has given us freedom, like literally freedom. He took what we deserved, and I'm talking about Jesus. He took what all of humanity deserved, and he took it upon himself. And that's even better than taking just the sin. He took the condemnation and the punishment associated with all the sins. So when it comes to shame and condemnation, Jesus took divine condemnation, all of it, anything that would have come from us breaking God's laws, Jesus took that upon himself on the cross. Down to the micro level, Jesus took the self-condemnation. When, when we're condemning ourselves, we don't have to anymore. Jesus is saying, stop, I died for you. You don't have to keep beating yourself up. He took all condemnation, divine condemnation, self-condemnation, all condemnation. If I were to put it in my own words, it's like the actions of Jesus says, bring to me all your guilt. Bring to me every single part of your story. It all belongs. Bring all that stuff to me. Together, you and I will agree that you're guilty, but you're not condemned. We agree, you knew better. Yes, you should have done better. But look, I've made this way for you out of condemnation. You are not condemned. Maybe you need to hear that in this moment. Son of God, daughter of God, when you surrender your life to Jesus, you are not condemned. Maybe you need to hear what God is saying. Think if God were talking to you right now, God would say, when I see you, I don't see all that stuff. I see what Jesus did. If God were talking to you, he'd say, I don't see all that stuff. I see what Jesus did, and I don't want you to see yourself in light of your past anymore. So Paul continues, in order that the righteous requirement of the law may be fully met in us, we do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So now, because of what Jesus has done, when the, 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 those thoughts come, we condemn those thoughts. Say, oh, you're such a dirty, no good, rotten, this is what you always did. Now we can say to those thoughts, we condemn you because Jesus has made all that stuff go away and, and I don't have to work in this, in this cycle of, of trying and striving to earn God's favor. Jesus proved God's love for me and now, what God says about me is more important than what those voices say. So it was fully met in us. God chooses to relate to you. What Paul's trying to say, God chooses to relate to you as if that stuff never happened. It's a clean slate. Sure, you're guilty because you did it, but you're not condemned because Jesus took your guilt upon himself. And this is a really big deal for you and a really big deal for everyone close to you because this is true. When you step in a relationship with God, four things happen. 
Well, four that I'm going to talk to you about. Well, a lot of things happen. But when it comes to guilt and shame, when you step into relationship with Jesus and start following him as your boss, Lord and Savior, you forfeit the right to condemn yourself because you are not yours to condemn. I'll say it another way. You can't condemn yourself as a boss because you're not the boss. You have a brand new boss. So talk to that voice of shame when it pops up. Oh, you should be so guilty and so ashamed. You talk, yeah, I'm guilty, but I'm not condemned. <laughs> Throw it away. You can say, I've been purchased with a price. Because of what Jesus has done, that, that thought is no longer true for me. Number two, your guilt, today guilt is yellow and has a peanut center. Your guilt will remind you, but it will not define you. You are not what you did. Hear it again. You are not what you did. Your past, your worst day, whatever it was, your worst mistake, the, the, the most yucky thing ever, that becomes a pivot point for you because you can look up in gratitude and say, yes, that thing, that was me, but it's not me anymore. Oh my goodness, thank you, God, for redeeming me. Number three, you forfeit the right to condemn others. You forfeit the right to condemn others because that would make you a hypocrite. And you're not a hypocrite, are you? When we say yes to Jesus, talk about taking the pressure off. Now you don't have to be the sin police for everybody else. You don't have to condemn. You say, you walk in the world, and yes, we discern between right and wrong and true and untrue, but we don't have to do that with the weight of guilt and shame on us. We say, I've been redeemed. And I can come alongside of people and have conversations. I can, I can be a voice in my, my family and my neighborhood for everything that's pure and good and true and right. But what I'm not going to do is size up folks and write them off. No, we don't have to do that anymore because that would make us hypocrites because we've been forgiven so much. So the more judgmental you are, the more unaware you are of your own sin. It's been my experience in life, and that's what my journey with Jesus and reading the text has taught me. When you feel judgmental, that's a warning sign. That's a warning sign that maybe there's something in your heart that you're cultivating. You need to, to ask God to show you what that is. And when you get this, when you get this fact, you're perfectly positioned to love the unlovable. I don't think it's possible to to be in a self-righteous mode and, and look good on the outside and have all this, this grossness inside and be able to love everybody, people who are different than you, come from different backgrounds, races, nationalities, socioeconomic status than you, without this realization that I can't believe God's done this for me. When you rest in that, you can love literally anybody. And by the way, this idea changed the world once. I'm just gonna leave that there. That idea changed the whole world. And number four, this is where I wanna poke at you a little bit. When you stand in this place 
where, yeah, you're guilty, but you're not condemned. You're free to make restitution without expectations and without excuses. You can say, like you could go, you know what, brother, sister, I hurt you. But the good news is I asked God for, uh, to forgive me, so now we're good. No, it doesn't work that way. Yes, we should ask God to forgive us. But we have this new covenant command from Jesus who says, love one another like I loved you. Loving others is a command from Jesus and loving them well. And we need to have a, yeah. this up and down relationship is important. But what's important to God is the, the relationship between you and me and other people. So, we don't say, I hurt you and I ask God to forgive me, so now we're good. It's I hurt you. I ask God to forgive me. I'm asking you to forgive me too. I'm guilty. And we can do that when we're not in a place of condemnation. And you may, you may, go, in, you may go back, you may unlock a store of bitterness in somebody else that that person has been hanging on to. You may help them to feel that lightness and that burden lifted. These relationships between us, us, the family of God with us and our neighbors, they're a really big deal to God. Really big deal to God. So, you don't have to put this in the comments, but I've got a question for you. Is there someone in your life that's waiting for you to make the first move? Is there someone in your life that's carrying the shrapnel of a conversation, of a fight, of an action. Are they carrying that around with them? Do they still have pieces of your anger, your envy, your jealousy, your words in them? Another question. I'm still, I'm poking at you today. Is your pride keeping you from making the first move? If you're a follower of Jesus, we follow his example. I love belonging to a family of Christians that believe we should follow Jesus radically because that's the best way to live. And Jesus humbled himself for you, became human, died on a cross, did all that for us. And now we're free to humble ourselves for others. My friend, are you ready to stop telling yourself the same old stories about your past? Are you ready to stop defining yourself by those past actions? I know it's, it can be hard and it's scary to go and, and make the first move and apologize without excuses, without, without some, some grand narrative that lets you off the hook for being condemned. But do you know why it's hard to live in this new space? outside of condemnation, it's because we fear, and I'd put myself in this, we fear the consequences of confession more than the consequences of concealment. It's too scary to come clean with your story. It's easier just to keep it in. Tell yourself a story that, that lets you off the hook for why you did what you did or why you said what you said. But when we, when we just conceal things, it just makes shame guilt, and denial the boss of us. So, my friend, your past will remind you, but it doesn't define you. 
And only in Christ can we stand guilty, but not condemned. So let's just do a little heart work right now and pray. (laughs) Ask God to search our hearts, especially when it comes to our relationships with other people. Uh, and, and as we do, I just want you to know, maybe there's, there's a conversation that, that you can't just go right out and have. Maybe you need someone who, who knows God and loves you to, to process the dynamic with first. Maybe you need someone to go along with you, per se, uh, and, and give you that strength and encouragement to make things right. And we're here for you. Please reach out to us if, if, if you need to even, even become less foggy about where you're at in this process. This we're, we're, we're supposed to be like a family. This is the st- kind of stuff families, healthy families do together. So please take us up on that. Reach out to us and we'll help you. But right, in the presence of Jesus, who doesn't condemn you, Let's place our lives in him. Maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus. Now, I just invite you, wherever you are, say out loud with your mouth, Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. I've sinned. I believe in you. Start praying to Jesus. Because when you do that, you move from the condemned space into that beautiful third space where your past doesn't define you. So dear Heavenly Father, we turn our hearts towards you. And we reaffirm you again, once again with our mouths. We, be- we confess you as our Lord and Savior. We believe in our hearts that you died and rose again so we don't have to stand condemned. I ask that you would fill us afresh in this moment with your Holy Spirit and that you would search our hearts. Would you bring a face to our imagination? Would you bring uh, a recollection of a conversation we've had, if we're the ones that need to make the first move, or maybe we're not the ones to make the first move, but because we follow you, we're gonna humble ourselves and do it anyway. Would you please give us the courage to do that? In the mighty and strong and powerful name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Well, God bless you. Good news, you're not condemned. Just a reminder, uh, if you have questions about this, a prayer request, or just want to give us an update on what's going on in your life, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We read the comments and all of these chats. We have personal messages you can send us on any, pretty much any social media platform, and you can always reach out to us at sgbic.com. Please take us up on that. Uh, We love to know what's going on in your life. And until we're together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.